to the Matters Touches. I'm your host, Chris Tusa, and this is Charlie Brecker. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Midas Touches and it's a big one this week because we have the happy return of guests on the Midas Touches. You may not have thought it but we actually do have some friends that we can invite on the podcast and this week we're excited to have uh, Josh Stacy, one of the up-and-coming greats of the racing world. Brad, Charlie, you looking forward to having Josh on? Uh, absolutely, I'm uh, looking forward to having Josh on. Uh, he's a he's a new friend of ours through the through the racing world. Um, sort of been a been a supporter in the background of the podcast, which is which is great. Always um, nice to meet you know people through your through your passions. Um, he is an up and coming star in the racing world. Um, I guess also from our perspective, it's really interesting to see someone you know experience the growth that he did in a, in a very short amount of time. Um, was very good at pushing his own personal brand uh, and he's got a great following on, on Twitter um, for those of you that don't follow him definitely give him a follow he, he posts loads of good content on there um, not that I'd know to be fair because I don't have social media but Tris tells me he does um, and yeah he is he's a very knowledgeable person so we're lucky to have him on the podcast this week yeah as Jess Stafford said Josh nothing in the racing world happens without it going in Josh's notebook including I remember Fasal Vega he was very hot on that after a video came out of Jess managing to squeeze that out of Winnie Martin's last year uh it's been a big week of of sport since we last spoke uh including the Super Bowl mm. where our man Patrick Mahomes <laughs> managed to come out on top again the Kansas City Chiefs make it I think was that two out of two out of three two out of four I don't actually know. I don't really follow American football, but um, I I believe you if that is the case. I just thought of the horse Mahomes glory. (laughs) You You are an utter degenerate. (laughs) That's all I was thinking about. Yeah, well, it it was an incredible uh, win for Mahomes. They big comeback against the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, you you tipped it as well, which like I didn't know prior to last weekend that you knew anything about American we, football, but there's a reason why I've tried to stay on this topic. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. Well, you know, that's good. Yeah, yeah. You're happy I brought up in that case. Well, um, no, no, of course. That's what I'm suggesting. No, good. Well, you did tip it and uh that was on that was on the Lunify blog, wasn't it? So, so our fo- our listeners of this may not have may not have heard it unless they happen to read the blog as well yeah which is possible which is possible of course but um very good tip thank you don't know how you got there but you did and that's the important thing just reading form um (laughs) which is also what i did with the scotland match a big win for scotland against wales england back on track in the six nations against italy although quite difficult to decipher anything from that game because italy were absolutely awful in the second half and then like reasonably good in the second half. England looked okay in the first half and looked pretty bad in the second half. So I don't, I don't really know that much. I mean, I know a bit about rugby, um, but I'm no expert when it comes to analysis. 
but I think we're quite likely to have a close game against Wales. So we've got that to look forward to, not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah, can't say I watched the game last uh, weekend. Um, I think England and Wales are the two worst teams in the tournament. So <laughs> actually, wait, Italy are probably worse, aren't they? Yeah, but they try hard. Yeah, I give them points trying hard. So England and Wales are the two worst. Anyway, let's move back into the racing world. Uh, big news this week in the return of O'Sheen Murphy mm. to the racetrack, who just this evening actually had a winner on his first ride back for Mick Appleby and the horse watchers. The shrewdest Classic, operation <laughs> around. Of course, they got him uh, an armchair job for his return. <laughs> He'll fly out to Saudi probably tomorrow ahead of the Saudi Cup. Uh, he's got a ride on Flaming Rib, I believe, uh, oh, in a race. Right? I'm not sure. Is Miss Cut still going? Uh, I just didn't see it mentioned in the, the Racing Post article that I was reading really? earlier. Okay. But I imagine probably That was is. the plan. Um, um, to the Saudi Cup. But good to see him back on the racetrack. Obviously, we have interviewed Asheen a, t- a couple of times on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So do go back and listen to those episodes if you're interested. We had a really, really good heart-to-heart just after he uh took a break from the saddle so it was it was great to kind of get a really raw machine early on um great to see him back yeah nap landed last week for you tone the barone tell me about it that was me clapping myself (laughs) um yeah no i was i was pretty sweet on that one um put it up as my nap for the weekend managed to miss the race annoyingly which actually was really frustrating because i'd been waiting all evening for the or waiting all day for the 7 p.m at wolverhampton and completely forgot as i was um going going into a pub actually to go to the loo um (laughs) yeah i know where were you oh in Uh, london in in london in islington um and so i just i just popped into a pub because i needed the loo I was actually on my way to another pub, but I couldn't wait. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> this is this is boring story, but um, yeah, I mi- I missed the race, but I was I'm, I'm assured that that horse won very easily as I expected. It did, it did. Went from the front, kicked on the home turn, and won nicely. John Bond didn't win so nicely though. Wow, that was a close one. As as big as a shorter price as sort of one fifteen, I think at one point during the day but was made to work hard for every penny of that. Yeah, if not shorter even. I think maybe I saw 1 to 20 at one point. Like, um, proper crazy stuff. But that doesn't necessarily bode well for for his chance in the Arkle, right? Yeah, you've got to think the Irish are going to come here with with, a, with, with something with a, a bit strong, better than that. Yeah, and again, like, well, this will be, this will be why he gets beat is because he doesn't face any opposition. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Nicky Henderson is actually going at quite a nice strike rate at the moment, about 29%. So that is even sort of further weakness of that weird performance from John Bond. Yeah, he's probably going to pull Shishkin out of the Ascot chase this weekend because it's too much competition. Yeah, although Shishkin's being backed, you know, into 11-4, to I, I think, lo- for that I race. I love Shishkin for the race. We'll get on to it, but I love Shishkin for the yeah. race. Yeah, another piece of Cheltenham insight. Blazing Cal goes favourite for the Stayers. Mm. Really, really impressive after a long layoff there in the boy and hurdle. Yeah. Uh, and it was a tough one for me in the uh, Betfair hurdle as I was on the wrong Chris Gordon horse yeah that was that was unfortunate I must admit Um, 
What? How did were you away? What were you watching together? No, I was up no. in Yorkshire. You were in Yorkshire, and you sent me a message saying you're on the wrong one. That's right. And I was like, I did feel for you go when it crossed the line. I was like, ah, you kind of, you kind of, you were getting, you were sniffing around the the right kind of angle, but just wasn't quite. He that. was informed, and I love an informed trainer. Uh, but luckily, you pulled me out of the dirt because Tony the Baron and Italy plus nineteen was a lovely double nice uh we've got a big weekend of racing this weekend including the ascot chase where we see the hopeful return of shishkin one of Nikki henderson's stable stars we've also got really really high quality racing at haydock where we have the grand national trial and the kingwell at wincanton i think we might as well just dig in with our selections we're going to be chatting to josh a bit later on in the in the uh, in the episode so look forward to that let's go to the 225 at ascot which is the swin the handicap chase cap du nord currently heading the market for christian williams at nine to two next is phoenix way 11 to two we love that one revels hill sixes danny kerwan sevens alongside laskalin Dorking Lad 14s alongside Faraday at 18s for Neon Moon. Sporting John also 18 to 1. Riders on the Storm 22 to 1 alongside the Wolf uh, and Nocte Vatalus and Regal Encore, who is entered at the ripe old age of 15, is at 33 to 1. How do you see this one? Let's get stuck in. Yeah, I did my classic thing of looking at the racing whilst i was on the way to work in the morning and obviously like final decks not out um had one lined up here which i was quite excited about and then obviously that one's not going here anymore which is really a bit frustrating because i thought this was a better race than than he's actually going for um the horse in question is fortescue who's now going for that grand national trial that we mentioned up at haydock um I would have liked him more for this race because it's over three miles. I think he's a three-mile specialist, but we can get on to that later. Um, I think the one... <laughs> you're probably going to guess who I... Or at least Tris will guess who I'm going to pick here because it's my classic play. <laughs> Danny Kerwan. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> um, Johnny Delahaye at, at Ascot. Um, not sure it's come good for you yet this season. Maybe not this season, <laughs> but it has improved. Like Danny Kerwin, I've tipped before, and he's won. Um, I think the the, the relationship, uh, well, the the sort of Johnny DeLahaye and Ascot relationship, has a lot to do with this this horse. Um, he's won a few times at, at the course uh, and clearly likes it here. Most recently, um, in March of last year. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a core specialist, I guess. Um, really good run last time out again at Ascot um, over the course and distance, where he was a, a not too far off second to um, our power for the winless Sam Thomas. <laughs> yeah, but this is fine. This is not a Sam Thomas horse, so um, uh, you don't have to dig him out <laughs> as well. That's a bit mean. <laughs> um, yeah, and I also just think his form figures read quite consistently. So I, I think the fact that he likes Ascot along with the fact that he he rarely puts in a bad run will stand him in really good stead for this race. And um he's off a he's off well, he hasn't won off this mark, but I don't think this is this is out of question that he he can win off this mark. That that 
um reappearance run last time was was really encouraging and um yeah i could i could see him going fairly close here certainly love it i think uh it's a shame to see phoenix way be supported so strongly and from eight to 11 to two i think it may even have opened up at tens he did i saw him this morning at, at tens though uh, admittedly that wasn't with final decks yeah yes that's true um i found it interesting to see that it was on his third run back last year that he was really impressive in winning at Asker a month earlier than this um i don't think the ground will be too much for concern uh good to soft a proper performance behind ansam last year at the track over this trip yes it's interesting you say that sorry i know you're in your flow but like um uh, that, that was the one reason i perhaps thought that phoenix way might not win this race is because of the ground um i was much more keen on danny cohen for exactly that reason he's run on good ground the last three times and there's the, the going's not going to change is it no i don't think so, so i mean they they had good good to firm up in newcastle yeah today yeah yeah, yeah. mate it's just really worrying but but like they're they're not going to change the going so it's going to remain good and for me that's a slight question mark against phoenix way's name but sorry yeah. I'll, I'll I, to be honest i wouldn't say it's a bet it's more just i think um most likely winner i think faraday's got more in the tank i don't think that that performance at cheltenham last time really showed him to the best of his abilities uh, and is clearly a horse on the up let's move on though to the three o'clock at ascot which is the ascot race course supports box for kids handicap hurdle there we go <laughs> uh, irish hill heads the market in nine to two softany bay sevens to jlo's eights 10 to one for on public 50 ball is 11s alongside putty tonner and too friendly whiz kid is also at 11 to one glenn then at 12s alongside supreme gift samarative is was it samarive is 16s alongside uh, Caleb and Thibault is 33 to 1. Really, really interesting race this. Some younger horses who are just coming into their own. Another Paul Nichols strong favourite at the top. How do you see this one panning out? Guess who? I guess I'm tipping this one. Uh, I would guess on public. Were you not going to get guess Samarive because of the Johnny Diller? Oh yeah, sorry. That's what I wanted you to do, but I'm not going to tip him. Um, I quite like one in here, and and oh, I'm tempted to put him up as my nap, which I would never do because of uh, uh this being a hurdle race. But I quite like the chances of uh Putty Tonner, who you you pronounce beautifully, by the way, as well. Thanks. Um. I think that so. Firstly, I think the last run can can really be forgotten. Uh, he was badly hampered at the second, um, and that Lanzarote was messy. Only four horses finished of, of the twenty that that lined up. Um, I think I think the alternative way to read that form is Red Risk, who finished second in the Lanzarote, a short head behind um, West Balboa. Um, the time before that had. Um, just beaten Petit Tonnerre um, in a race uh, again at Newbury um, and quite a competitive race as well so on that form on the reading of that form um, Petit Tonnerre would have been quite close in the Lanzarote uh, and would have put up a would have put up a, pr a pretty good performance in, in that respect um, he was also quite highly regarded clearly as a juvenile. Uh, he had an entry in the Fred Winter, though was there was a non-runner on the day, and he also ran in a, in a Grade One at Aintree. 
Um, so they, they've clearly fought quite a lot of this horse. Um, I think John Joe O'Neill is going pretty well at the moment as well. Um, so always a, always a tick there. And yeah, I, I'd be quite keen. Maybe I'm going to, I'm going to keep my powder dry and not nap him up. But, um, I, I like this one for this race. I, I think I could definitely see, um, uh, Petit Tonnerre running. running yeah. I think one. I actually tipped Petit Tonnerre on return at the start of the season when uh third behind Peking Rose. Uh in this one though, I actually quite like too friendly for the skeletons. Oh, I kind of looked through it and Derby I thought on public uh looked quite strong for really, really in form Oliver Greenall. Um and but Josh yeah, sorry about that, Josh. Uh <laughs> on public stepped up in trip here a few furlongs. I think maybe uh not gonna side with that just because of the unknown. Too Friendly and On Public faced each other a couple of starts back. Uh, and Too Friendly was actually beaten that day, but they were much closer in the weights. This time there's almost a stone in Too Friendly's favour. Uh, and yeah, I do think that on that day, the trip, the two miles was favouring On Public. Whereas here, you know, we're over that extended trip and Too Friendly, I think, needs every bit of it. Um, the reason that I liked On Public's form line was because of that run against love envoy at sandown yeah. uh, now clearly you know a couple of unknowns given that we're taking form from a different trip but the skeletons absolutely love a saturday at the moment and that last run only a week ago uh, behind uh, son and gino for harry cobden and paul nichols i think is good form and should at least get too friendly close and 11 to 1 i think potentially a stroke of value there in mm. the three o'clock yeah always been like a thereabouts horse too friendly um obviously on the flat was quite highly rated and, and at one point was like the gradley's uh derby hope right so that didn't work out <laughs> and i don't like i don't think it's necessary it did. he won <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it's necessarily worked out for him over the over the over the obstacles either at the moment not but that's yet. not to say that he can't win this because i i definitely think he's got a shout yeah let's wait until sunday morning and they may be writing to friendly's name in the papers down in, in the in record, the record books. books yeah exactly <laughs> uh the 335 is the feature race of the whole weekend in my eyes the <laughs> betfair ascot chase where we have fakir duduri Heading the market at 7-4, Pickdorhi is 11-4 alongside Shishkin, who makes a big return. Uh, Miller's Bank is 10s. First flow, 22s. I write 66-1. to one. Such an interesting race, this. Another Johnny Delahaye horse for you to, <laughs> to, to think about. Uh, as Shishkin and Fakir just making it all the more complicated. Charlie, how is your head? God, mate, it's absolutely scrambled. <laughs> I know I want to tip Pick Dory, which actually thinking about it, <laughs> I love Danny Kerwan, but I love Pick Dory more, I think. <laughs> I always used to tip the sauce. But um, no, I'm not going to tip Pick Dory. Um, I I do like shit. He's not on rear <laughs> He's not on rear appearance. He's on rear appearance from his last round, which was in December. But <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I, yeah, I... I like Shishkin for this and I can't really understand why he's 11 to 4. I think there's this weird like fallacy or, or um, false rhetoric about him being on some kind of recovery mission just because he was pulled up um, last year in the champion chase. 
and I just don't think that's really true. Like I think he didn't run his race. He didn't have his day, which ev you know, horse or not, everyone has that right. Um, you know, you, you have an off day every now and then. Um, so he can be forgiven. Then his third on reappearance um, in the Tingle Creek was a really good run. I mean, you know, it's um, it may be a third. It's not a win, but that race was hot. Um, he was in behind Edward Stone that day, who has obviously gone on to prove in the in the rearranged Clarence House that he's he's every bit as good as he looked there. Um, and Greener Team was there, who's another horse. The Sandown is 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 just a brilliant performer. Um, in behind was Gentleman Demi, who won the Dublin Chase. Subsequent to that, so uh, and Funambul Sivler as well, who 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 yeah. won uh, that race last weekend. Um, the name escapes me, but um, the form is really strong. And Shishkin's a, a very good horse who's won at Ascot before in, in the Clarence House the year before, which we were at, which was genuinely possibly the best race I've ever seen on a race course. Um, and yeah, I, I just I just think like he's stepping up in trip here, which may be a stick to beat him with. But otherwise, uh, I think he's pretty, pretty solid. And don't don't be put off by the fact that he hasn't won his last two runs. Horses don't just win every single race. They are no, but Shishkin should. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, I think Shishkin's got a great chance. Stepped up to two mile five could be interesting. I know that some people are touting him for the Gold Cup. He's still forty to one for that, uh, which could be could be fascinating if he finishes this race strongly. Imagine. Um, I'm going to be leaving the top three in the market here because I just want to see a good race pan out. I would love to see Shishkin on top. I think if you were going to have a bet, then I wouldn't put people off first flow at 22 to 1. I think this one has been slightly underrated, often was thought of as a mudlark uh, earlier on in his career. Did have some big wins, including at this course. Um, two big runs in the Peterborough Chase in 2021 and uh, 2022, and now has had a run that last time against Pickdorhey who Paul Nichols was very bullish on midweek for this race. So I think First Flow has a few big runs left in his career. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see this one get slightly closer than the 22 to 1 suggests. That is everything from Ascot. But we still have a couple of races to cover over at Haydock. The 205 is the first of those ones. Ernie River is currently 11 to 4 favourite. Ashtown Lad 9 to 2 alongside Green Book. Itchy Feet is also 9 to 2. Uh, Wakul 16s. Elvis Male is 20s. And Innis Oya is 66 to 1. How do you see this one going? Interesting race. Take it away, Tress. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, Ernie River is a weak favourite here. Uh, I'm not quite sure why. They've put him at the top of the market. Um, I think it's questionable. That that third behind St. Calvados and Mr. Fisher, I don't think is going to put him that close here, even though it was uh, in a grade two. I, I'm not sure it's going to get him close. Ashtown Lad uh, is questionable, probably better. The Skeletons are you know, very, very good at getting their horses ready for these Saturdays. Green Book was the one that I thought was really interesting. Third last year in the Albert Bartlett behind the nice guy. 
clearly has some really uh, high class, even though that race is often known as being one for the boats. Um, really convincing last time. Had a run to, to open his account, which didn't go well, but, you know, freshened him up, got him ready for the season. Last time was on form, beating Call Me Lord very convincingly. Call Me Lord, we know, is a consistent graded performer. Uh, Green Book also won a grade three last season, is the young horse coming in here age six, and I think should be on an upward trajectory. Venetia Williams is training winners at the moment, going at about 17%. So I think, yeah, out of the out of the top ones in the market, out of all of them in the market, really, Green Book strikes me as the one that is most likely to continue running in graded races throughout his career. And I think this can be a step forward mm. to uh, greater things. Yeah, no, I, I I tend to agree. I think he ran in the right kind of races as, as a novice, uh, clearly well thought of. And I think, yeah, probably right to take on Ernie River as well. So I, I'm definitely behind you uh, on that one. Um, yeah, I think should we jump to the to the 240 now? Uh, I can run through the card. We've got the 240 is the Betfred Grand National Trial Handicap Hurdle, uh, Handicap Hurdle, Handicap Chase. Uh, it is a premier handicap over the three miles and four and a half furlongs. The top of the market, we have got uh, Fontaine Colon at five to one. Then you've got Bristol Demai, the the big man, twelve year old now. Um, Bristol Demai six to one. Small Present eight to one. Quick Wave nines. Then you've got Fortescue, Omar Moretti, two amigos, and not a chance. All at twelve to one. Snow Leopardess. 16s alongside first Lord Dacout and Tim Pat, and then it's 18 to 1 bar. Tris, take it away. It is uh, going to be an awesome race. I do think these are difficult because, you know, they are trials at the end of the day, and each horse will have a different target. The horses have come from different races. So it's one where I quite like to go low down the market and, and looking through, I think there's going to be ground concerns for a number of these. I know that there are question marks about the two amigos and snow leopardess both running. They'd prefer uh, a bit of cut in the ground, which it looks like they're not going to get at Haydock, even though they were expecting it. Bristol demise, another one who usually prefers, you know, really soft ground, although has had some good form in recent seasons on, on firmer stuff. I think Cloudy Glen is fascinating here. Um, Cloudy Glen has come back from long layoffs four times in his career, and he's won three of those races. These are like 250-day long layovers. Uh, layovers? Layoffs. <laughs> um, at prices of 8 to 1, 72, and 33 to 1, that last one coming in, the, the Labrooks, formerly the, the Hennessy Gold Cup, um, I think they'll definitely want to get this one on a good mark for the Grand National. Um, that will be the target. But as we know with Cloudy Glen, he kind of just goes out in front. Mm. And I think that jockey Sean Quinlan might find it hard to stop him. Um, yeah. It's going to be good ground. He's going to just get out there in front. And they might find it hard to stop him. I can see him drifting literally as I'm talking out from 20s <laughs> to 28s. So, you know, by the time punters are backing this thing on, on Saturday morning, it could be like 50 to 1. Yeah, no, it's very. I mean, the one, the one caveat I would say to that is the fact that he's ten years old now. More difficult. Just coming to his prime to get him g'd up for these ones uh, off the big layovers, as you call them. Um, but yeah, Cloudy Glen. I mean, what a horse! What a what what, what connections as well. Um, so 
would be great to to see that i as i mentioned previously in the podcast was keen on fortescue for that ascot race over three miles i think here the three miles four and a half maybe a bit testing um but i i did like that horse i can't i can't i can't put him up but um i don't want to go without mentioning him so yeah fair enough (laughs) on the fence let's swiftly move on to the 318 which is the per temps um qualifier i found this one way too difficult and don't have an opinion on it at all do you want to skip it because i do not like it either yeah let's move on swiftly uh we hope that you don't mind that we don't have a decision i think for these races like those it's difficult they're qualifiers people want to definitely hold some back for the real thing if they're going for the per temps um so yeah that's all i got to say on that one uh wing canton though we have the kingwell hurdle which is a a small field four runners high quality though i think uh the field is currently ding dong battle between first street at six to four and nappers hill seven to four for the for the giants of british racing nikki henderson and paul nichols I like to move it is 10 to 3 favorite for Nigel sorry 10 to 3 for Nigel Twiston Davies and Sam Twiston Davies uh, and Global Citizen for Ben Pauling is drifting like a barge at the moment Cheltenham winner for last year though so uh, we doth our hats to you Ben I think first street here is going to be the one for me you know what we always think about small fields um first street's done it on a couple of occasions before sort of winning four runner races um also it was clearly ahead of napper's hill last time at cheltenham when they were running off a you know a fairly similar weight um it's all about how they fare in the trappy contest it's all about the ride i think james bowen is a is a very good jockey um i think paulings would prefer a bigger field and Nigel Twiston Davis is not in great form. So it, it's a two horse race for me. And I think First Street just shades it. Yeah, I, I think you pick up on the key piece of form there. And, and that's the last time out where <clears throat> First Street finishes comfortably enough in front of Napa's Hill. There's very little in the price. But I, I think at around six to four, you may be getting a shade of value there, actually. Very possibly. I, I, I think, um, and, and it's only very slight. You know, you could you could argue that sort of, oh, I don't know, around maybe the the eleven to eight mark only only half <laughs> a point difference. I think I think I think um, first street could go off a bit shorter. I think first street definitely goes off clear favourite. I think punters will latch on to the <laughs> fact that uh, first street finished in front of Napa's Hill in that race. I think also f- having form behind um, Marie's Rock is really strong. First street was shorter than that one that day so they must really fancy him i i was i am a big fan of marie's rock i think that one is agreed consistently underrated um so so yeah i think first street should get the business done at wing canton that ties up our analysis of the racing we will be joining you guys after the break with an interview with none other than the racing josh one of the up-and-coming stars of the broadcasting racing world. We'll see you after the music.
Here we are. We are joined by our guest this week. Very excited to welcome the one and only Josh Stacy to the Midas Touches. Hello, Josh. How are we? I am, I am great. I've never had an intro like that before, but I appreciate it greatly. Yeah, well, we're always generous to our guests when they come on. I mean, I think we gave like a five-minute intro for Jess Stafford when she came on last year. Oh, well, I spoke, I spoke to Jess um, about coming on and, and, and she said, oh, the lads are great. You'll absolutely love it, but they'll give you a big intro. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, massively exciting. I mean, Charlie and I have both followed you on, on Twitter for a while. I think we both agree that you give some of the best insight uh, I said this morning that there's no horse gives birth without going in Josh Stacey's notepad. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, that, that's true. Like, I, I think that's the most exciting part of a horse when they've never ran and you can't be disappointed by them. So <laughs> I think I've, I've found a bit of a niche there. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But where did it all begin? Like, how does, how does the love for horse racing start? Because I think everyone usually has quite a unique story. Uh, yeah, mine is, is so I, I had nothing to do with racing um, until I was about 12. And then my mum met my uh, my previous stepdad and he was massively into it. His his dad had a share in Thomas Crapper, who was trained by Robin Dickin. And, and he was a great horse. He went to the festival three times. He placed three times at the festival, uh, finished second in the Martin Pipe, finished second in the Novice Handicap Chase, and he finished second again in the Martin Pipe. And I couldn't really have had a better intro to racing. Um, following a horse like that across the country, he won twice at Cheltenham. He won a grade three at Newbury, a grade three handicap at Newbury over fences, beating some really good horses. And you can't really have a better introduction. I, I just got hooked. I went to Cheltenham the first time. I saw a Sprinter Sacra win the rearranged Clarence House chase. Um, he beats uh, some some tear or something like that. Uh, uh, Paul Nichols's Ruby was on, and um, and I remember that day it was a classic novice hurdle, the Ballymore Trial, and my stepdad absolutely loved the new one. He was favourite for it, and I loved that Fisher's Cross. The only thing I knew was was back JP McManus and and AP McCoy, and uh, and he was on that Fisher's Cross. I think it's thirteen to two. The new one was about eleven to ten, and I thought all day, no, no, I'm going to take my stepdad on. I was about 12, 13. My mum put two quid on for me and uh, and he came home and then he went on to win the, the Bartlett and the new one went to win went, went on to win the Ballymore and, and you know when, when you have an introduction like that the first time you ever go racing I, I'd imagine it'd be very hard not to be hooked. A hundred percent. It's so interesting because I think there's probably quite a few people who went the other way, turned up to the racetrack, watched <laughs> one one horse race, lost their money and <laughs> and it's all over. Never been again. Yeah, well, it, it, it's it's tricky. Like I remember watching Grand Nationals before, but I don't remember them vividly. Um, going to the races is completely different. I remember the atmosphere and, and the roar from the crowd behind you. Me and my family have kind of a, a superstition that we like to stand under the letter M at Cheltenham um, on the grandstand. And, and we were there and, and that means that you're right in front of the main grandstand and you can hear the roar behind you. And that feeling, especially when the horses are coming down the hill, like I, I, I personally haven't felt that. I'm a massive football fan. I, I love following Man United and, and I've been to some great games. But I've never quite had the feeling of being at the festival with a horse that you fancy and you've put up and they're coming down the hill, they're bowling down the hill and then they go on to win. That feeling is, is second to none. 
Yeah, it's it's an incredible feeling. I think like you've hit the nail on the head there. I think it's you fall in love with the sport because of these these great memories of certain horses. At least in the first instance, I remember like the thing that probably brought me and Tris together was was Permian. Uh, the, I don't know if you remember Permian yeah. on the flat. Um, we we just had a, a an odd obsession with this horse, and, and it was something that like I don't know I will always remember and a and a racing memory that I hold very really close. But I, I do completely agree. It's those um the, those certain memories of particular horses that that really get you hooked on the sport uh, and what a great sport it is. <laughs> oh, oh, big time! And I, I think that the the general outlook on racing probably from from the the general public would be. That it might be for an older generation. I disagree. I think I think young people absolutely love it. I've never seen as many young people going racing, and and anything that these podcasts can do to get more young people into the sport, not necessarily the the day out, the better. And and I think once people experience that one feeling of maybe having an attachment to a horse that's bowling along down the hill at Cheltenham or at Ascot or at Goodwood or anything like that, I think it's very hard not to be hooked and. Yeah, they're very special days. I think so. And it's such a good point, really, that, you know, we want people to get into the sport and not just the day out because that does often kind of mask the fact that there aren't that many true racing fans. So it's it's great to hear you say that. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And as much as, as much as it's great to get people really into the sport, I also think that the days out are really important for those that have never been racing, just to go racing, enjoy it, whether that's, not seeing a horse and being in a bar or whether that's seeing a bit of a horse looking at a parade ring anything they can do around the sport whether that's just going and and enjoying it watching it on the tv in a bar at a race course it's better than sitting at home and not seeing it yeah um so no i i, I completely agree yeah you're, you're absolutely right and it all contributes to the sport it contributes to the atmosphere it, it contributes to, to every aspect of it so yeah i completely agree the more people we can get and, and like i feel we all share a, a similar ambition in terms of trying to get younger people into the sport um pe- people of our generation um it, it's definitely something we need to continue to focus on uh, as a as an industry but um it, it's yeah something i think we all we all all share really definitely and we have a very exciting weekend of racing ahead of us. We have primed Josh late on this Thursday evening <laughs> to try and pick out three good bets for the weekend. We kind of gave him a few races to look at. I don't know how you want to go through this, but maybe start with your first bet and just take us through. Uh, I don't even know which races you're going you're gonna to go for, but hopefully you've got some value for our listeners. Yeah, so obviously there's there's four great cards. Uh, Goran Park, Wincanton, Haydock and Ascot. I'll be at Wincanton. And although there is a graded contest there, I think the better Wincanton on Saturday comes in the first race. I like Milton Harris's Earth Cry. Uh, one a point to point, uh, one a bumper and um, finished fourth on hurdling debut behind Weston Zephyr, who's went to running in graded company. The race on Saturday, I don't think it'd be a brilliant price, I must admit. But I think he'll he'll take a really good bit of beating. The race there isn't much depth in it whatsoever. I think he's a, a, a standout, and I just wanted to get a winner on the board. With regards to a second bet, I wanted to to maybe put up a bigger price and and look towards Ascot. The two twenty five is a competitive Grade Three handicap chase, and Captain Nord. I absolutely love Christian Williams. He's one of the the great people in racing. He he runs Captain Nord. He's obviously got a great chance. Phoenix way of Harry Fry. I think that, that his big day, although he's been back, could be at Cheltenham um, in the Ultima, the, the, the mm. third race on the first day. 
And I just thought the one that is interesting is the 10-year-old Danny Kerwin. Oh. He finished second at Ascot the last day to our power, who's ran well since T-Clipper was third, full-back fourth. And, and there's some really decent horses in behind. He's seven to one. I thought he was very interesting at that price. I think if he repeats the performance um, that, that he showed on his last run, I think he'll take a, a good bit of beating. And, and seven to one, uh, I think, represents reasonably fair value. In the, in the following race would be my third bet as well, the, the two-mile three handicap hurdle. I've been following Tom Public all year, um, and it's not been the worst thing in the world he won the last day he won on his first start there were a couple of runs in between where i think things just he didn't have his conditions or or, or, or there were multiple excuses where things went wrong i'm not sure the, the trip up to Musselburgh would have been brilliant uh, but he's 10 to 1 and i think that he does represent value in, in again probably quite a weak race Venetia williams horse won very well at wincanton he's not really done much since softly bays having the first run for 700 days i take him on although he is the Irish Raider. Irish Hill, I, I really liked him, but I think that he is limited and I'm not sure he'll be winning off his mark, especially as a five-year-old. Um, and I, I just feel that Hom Public has more room for improvement and at 10 to 1, I think I think that's a fair price. I love it. I love it. I yeah. think three really good bets and interesting because Charlie is also a huge fan of Danny Cohen. Yeah, definitely. Oh, he's, um... he's, he's, he is the one of the horses that, that keeps me awake at night. <laughs> when is he going to win? And hopefully it's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you and me both. You and me both. Uh, a great set of, of bets there from Josh. Uh, I think because we don't have you on for too long, your time is precious. We should just dig into the elephant of the, in the room, which is the Cheltenham Festival. We know how much you love it. Uh, we'd love to ask you a few questions. Uh, but first of all, set the scene. It's It's Tuesday morning. You're having breakfast. How are you feeling? It's Tuesday morning. I'm petrified because I've, I've spoken for six, seven months on, on the podcast that I do about horses that I, I fancy. I just want one of them to go in. Please, one of them to go in at a decent <laughs> price. Um, I'll have a Guinness to calm the nerves. I'll have a full English. I'll get on a coach with friends. I'll get to the race course. I'm, I'm enjoying it, taking in all the atmosphere hiding myself away in the Arkle bar and, and hoping that one of them comes in on the first day just to ease the pressure. Um, and, and then at, the, at that point, it's just see what happens. That, that, is that something I was going to ask? Have you traditionally done well on the first day? Because I feel that sets the tone so much for the week. Like, you know, you need to get that one on the board so you're just feeling a bit more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, de definitely. Especially as um, uh, every year I tend to make as a kind of a tradition, I put, I put my bets up on Twitter um, and Twitter can be a fickle place at times. <laughs> at the same time, it can be great if you have a first day at Cheltenham. Um, and uh, yeah, I've not really gone too wrong on the first day. I, I think I've, I've never had less than two or three winners. Obviously, usually you find a short price favourite, the Supreme, the Arc, or the Champion Hurdle. And I think it'd probably be the same this year, maybe not in the Supreme. Um, and and you should probably go one of two ways in the, the Arc. Um, but if you can have a good day, confidence is building you can go into the second day looking for winners rather than praying for winners yeah i think so i mean last year i think it was pretty difficult for for us to go into day two not not doing well given that we were on constitution hill at 33s uh, <laughs> after after uh buzz's we're, work rider I'm gave me the tip at a dinner <laughs> 
I must admit, where, where was my message when when that thirty threes was being thrown around? Well, it was it was uh, it was just for the private groups. <laughs> no, I, I was very happy on the on the two to one nine to four on the day, but I could imagine you were ecstatic on on thirty threes. Yeah, it actually just didn't feel real. Um, but you know, I, I managed to give quite a lot of it back on the on the Wednesday and Thursday. I assure you. Oh, right. um, <laughs> but let's let's dig in. What's your best bet? of the whole week oh it's a it's a obviously a very tough question because are you looking for winners i think if you're looking for winners you're looking at delta work who's just above even money i think he'll take an awful lot of beating i know they're going to run galvin i think delta work is a core specialist i would imagine davy russell is going to have a very difficult decision to make between the two he might run galvin with the the owner connection but I don't know. I think Delta will take the world of beating. I think if you look at, at the second race on the Wednesday, especially, I think Jerry Cologne, who I put up at a bigger price on the podcast that I do, uh, he's now nine to four, five to two, which I think is fair. He shouldn't have been winning the other day at Sandown, beating good horses over two and a half miles on quick ground. He's going to relish soft ground. He's going to relish going up in trip. I don't think soft ground is absolutely necessary. I think if it came up good to soft, he'll run, and I think it'd be fine. Um, I, I think Jerry Cologne will take a good bit of beating. And then one at maybe a a, a bigger price, um, I think 10 to 1, Salvador Ziggy in the Potemps. Um, I think this has been a long-term plan. Obviously, the qualification this year, well, last year it used to be uh, 1 to 6 in the qualifiers. Now it's 1 to 4. You've got to finish in the first four to get into the final. He, he, he creeped into fourth um, at the Cheltenham October meeting. He's not been since. He's been put away. He's been kept fresh. He's gone out in the field. He's back in training. All systems go for the attempts. Um, they know his his rough English mark. I think it's 144, 145, because he was entered in a handicap um, over the festive period at Cheltenham. They know what he's going to be rated. I would imagine he's going to have a very attractive jockey booking, whether that be David Russell, Jordan Gainford, Jack Kennedy. And off 144, 145, I think the attempts is usually won by a horse that goes on to win at graded level. I think he could be there. Love that. Really, really great tip that for our listeners and shows kind of the insight and the analysis that you need to go to to really understand uh, how to get the value. I think, um, though, for a lot of punters at Cheltenham, it's as simple as looking for the Rich Richie Willie Mullins. <laughs> uh, good thing. <laughs> you can't go too far wrong there. Um, and just before you go, it would be great to know which horse you're most excited to see in the flesh line up? I mean, for me, it's got to be Galapan de Champ, and I'm sure that's the same uh, for many people. But who yeah, are you most yeah. excited about? Yeah. Galapan de Champ in the Gold Cup's interesting. Will he stay? It, it's a tricky one. It's a, I'm in two minds because one of my favourite horses, more my favourite horse in training is Brave Man's Game. Him winning the King George was one of the best days I've had in the last 12 months, definitely. Um, and he's going to go up against Galapin de Champ. I think Galapin de Champ probably has more ability. I think he has less question marks with staying. Um, I, I think Galapin de Champ will win the Gold Cup. The one horse I'd be most looking forward to seeing, I, I'm not sure. I think I think the bump is very interesting. Every year you, you want a really impressive bumper winner going forward into novice hurdles, and I, I wouldn't give up on Chapeau de Soleil, who finished second behind Better Days Ahead. He's a very nice type. Mullins thinks an awful lot of him. You mentioned the Rich Richie popularity, and, and, and I'm sure people will get behind him on the day. People have already got behind him anti-post. 
he will run there, I think, if he gets in. And I would expect a massive improvement from what we saw the last day. And I think he's about 10 to 1. So, so Shepard de Soleil would be one I'd be very excited about going forward, not just in the champion bumper, but moving forward next year into novice hurdles. Love that. Love that. Such, such an exciting time. Um, and Josh, where, where are you going to be for your Cheltenham previews? You mentioned you're up in Birmingham for one on the same night that we're doing ours. Have you got a, a couple more? Is that is that it? Uh, but yeah, that, that's the one that I'm, I'm definitely doing. I think I'm doing one at Sirencester as well. Um, but the main one is up in Birmingham on the 9th. So I wish I could join you boys um, and Jess, who, who I work with. But um, I'm sure that'd be a great night. And, and for all around the London area, you definitely don't want to miss that. Well, you're you're just about as good a salesman as we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to have you on. One of the great racing minds and we can't wait to see your progress over the next few years i'm sure you're going to be in front of the itv cameras with uh ollie and co in the not so distant future oh thank you very much that that would be a dream and, and if you can make that happen that i'd be awfully appreciated 100 <laughs> percent. i'll send him a text after this and say you spoke very <laughs> yeah, well. cheers. <laughs> that was josh stacy the racing josh god he speaks well doesn't he 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 really does, and I, th- I think perhaps we should have sort of expected that, given that he is he's an up and coming um, star in the presenting world. But I was really taken aback by how how well he spoke and how concisely he spoke about horses, um, and also about his experience as well. Like I think he was very eloquent in the way that he described his experience of getting into the sport. Um, and yeah, what a, what a pleasure to have him on on the podcast. I think. He could have lined up a couple of good ones there for Cheltenham. Um, by the sounds of it, he he knows he knows that course like the back of his hand, uh, and he knows the form so so well as well. So he is definitely one to listen to and keep on side. Um, but no, no, great, great to have him on, and uh, yeah, we look forward to to staying in touch with him as well. Hundred percent, a great guy uh, and a great racing mind. Looking forward to getting more from Josh as time goes on. That is all for today's episode. Uh, we're sad to say that next week we're not going to be around as I will be on hiatus. <laughs> in, um, uh, go on, tell them where you are. Skiing. Um, With who? Sorry. But <laughs> we will be back after that. Uh, if you guys have enjoyed listening today, please do give us a review. Give us a share. Uh, come and follow us on Instagram where you'll see behind the scenes footage. You can also message us if you want to. Um, that is all for today, though. Uh, it's a goodbye from me, Tris. And it's a goodbye from me, Charlie. Goodbye. Goodbye.